Welcome to New Kids on the Block, a podcast for newcomers who want to explore blockchains and cryptocurrencies. On this show, we discuss and dissect all things crypto for beginners and intermediate users and help them navigate their way through this fascinating yet overwhelming new space. Let's dive right in. Sometimes all I think about is you do. Late night in the middle of June. These stonks been stressing me out. These crypto been stressing me out. What's up, everyone? And welcome back to a new episode of the New Kids on the Block podcast. You know, I had to come with a fresh song um, specifically for you, Yidu. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I- I'm still amazed that every week you can come up with something new and still not be jaded. So kudos <laughs> to you, man. I'm not jaded. As long as you're as long as you're not jaded, then we're good, man. You know? Yeah. No, it's, it's good. It's good. It's I'm, good. It's I'm good a, to be, yeah. It's good I'm a to treasure trove of these uh jingles. You know? Keep them coming. Keep I miss coming. my calling in life, I think. Uh <laughs> so it's you know, it's it's this is this is a heavy podcast for me, this one, because you know, mm. it's 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 I'm gonna be out for multiple weeks. Oh we're no. Not, we're not gonna be talking for multiple weeks and uh the podcast is uh, gaining in popularity, so right at the right time, I feel like now it's going to really explode. Yeah, like as soon as I take a couple right. of weeks off, you know, <laughs> that's right. that's when we'll get some additional traction. So, well, um, maybe if if anything, you you led us to the top, right? and then you just take a break, and then let us ride into the sun, sunshine. Hopefully, just like Michael Saylor. I, uh, just like nice. Michael Saylor, I, I, I do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, we, we're going to, we're going to make it a little short this week. Um, just run through some news guys. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously been a pretty good day for crypto. It's been a good month. So if we look back on July, just in general, um, at crypto, I think, you know, we see like a, a, a lot of 30 day gainers, mm-hmm. um, out there for solid projects. Right. Um, so uh, that's a very subjective term, solid, of course. But right. um, when we when we think about um, some of the projects out there, like you see Chainlink, you see ICP, you see um, even even things like Solana that are getting hacked. Um, you know, they've all kind of risen over 80, 70 to eighty percent in the last thirty days, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it has been a, a quite interesting month for crypto in a general kind of market economic downturn. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I personally have a stake, obviously, you know, a lot of listeners probably know, but I, I personally have a stake in, in kind of like the traditional equity market, right? Cause I work, work for a one-time startup. So I'm, I'm always kind of looking at the markets. Um, and it's, it's been a really interesting, uh, it's, it's earnings, uh, period here in right. the U S right. So people are, uh, uh, you know, this is this is like a time where you'll see like a little bit of market movement when uh, when earnings are reported. So, mm-hmm. you know, earnings were reported recently. So I've been kind of scrutinizing the the news and the markets. And I take a look down today. And uh, one of the ticker symbols that I follow is this one called C-O-I-N. Are you familiar with this one? Do you check this? I'm one? sure. I'm pretty sure that's Coinbase, right? That is Coinbase, man. Do you know what happened with Coinbase today? Um, I heard there's something to do with BlackRock, but I, I'm willing to to listen to the inside scoop from you. <laughs> I don't know about the inside scoop, but I'm looking at my ticker and I'm like, why the hell is Coinbase up 30% today, right? 
Um, right. So like you know, they must have moved crazy after hours. Um, and, you know, I'm looking I'm looking at, you know, some of the things in my portfolio and I see Coinbase is there, which I don't own any of. Them. I just want to be completely uh, open about that. Of I don't course. I don't I'm just I just like to watch certain stocks and uh, Coinbase up 25 percent. Look at the news. They announced a strategic partnership with um, BlackRock. Um, mm. So. If any of the listeners are unfamiliar with BlackRock, BlackRock is the largest asset manager in the world. They have over $8 trillion under management, um, which is like larger than the GDP of like, I don't know, like 20 to 30% of the world easily, right? Mm -hmm. So they're a company with with economic might. um, And... Um, they also are very famous during the course of the pandemic of getting into, uh, uh, kind of, uh, real estate investment. So if you found it pretty difficult out there to buy a, a single family house <laughs> during the pandemic, it's probably because BlackRock came in and, and snatched mm-hmm. them up. But, but, you know, I think the, the interesting part of this news is obviously the partnership, um, to provide institutional clients, right? Like banking clients, you know, BlackRock has their own funds out there that they obviously sell to other asset managers. Um, this is like kind of mainstreamization, if that's a real yeah. word, for for crypto assets, right? I mean, you know, yeah. if Coinbase is going to custody BlackRock, I mean, it's BlackRock and it's Vanguard out there, right? That are, that are the two big boys. So, what do you what do you how do you take this news? I mean, I think obviously, I think it's a good thing that Coinbase stocks is doing pretty well today. Uh, what amazed me or surprised me a little bit is how little this has an impact on the crypto market. Like, if, um, what I mean by that is, is by BTC and ETH. Like, to me, like if this happens three years ago during the, you know, the, the run up to to the to the last bull cycle, this would have been huge, right? This would yeah. be something that's going to be a, a like an earth-shattering news that's going to, you know, transform the the entire ecosystem. And we're talking about BlackRock. We're talking about literally, you know, this is as big as, big as it can get in terms of mainstream um, adoption for institutional investors or, um, you know, I guess the traditional equity uh, institutions. Like, to me, like the fact that BTC barely moved on the news like this today it just tells me, I, I think we're either we're either in the bottom or it's just the market just stops caring. Um, I think either way, it might not be the worst thing in the world because there's so much in the past six months, there's so much like FUD, so much uncertainty and so much bad news for crypto market. And I feel like now we've really flushed out all of the over-leveraged traders, institutional investors and retail investors who are non-believers and now we're starting to build on something more solid and BlackRock uh, jumping, you know, with their both feet is definitely a good sign for the, for the, for the crypto industry in the long run. Yes. But so, so that's a very like poised and weathered response, which we come to expect, but now I want to get your visceral response because <laughs> as a, as a crypto um, kind of native decentralized guy, right? Mm-hmm. So let me, let me read you a tweet from, um, Scott Melker, who's the wolf of all streets on yeah. on tw- on uh, crypto Twitter, um, and he says, "So now we are cheering for BlackRock." Laugh out loud. 
clear that regardless of what they say, most people care far more about the number going up than up than about out of the legacy financial system. Like watching Star Wars and cheering for the Empire because you have Stormtrooper stocks. What is your reaction to that as a, as a person who tr- truly believes that crypto is for the people? Do you believe that this is a bastardization um, kind of partnership with, with BlackRock? I don't necessarily think that's... First of all, I, I, I get the point of, you know, are you selling out by partnering with, with BlackRock? Um, the same way people criticize um, Facebook or Meta uh, for trying to monopolize uh, the Web3 world. Um, but I think there are some fundamental differences there, um, specifically in that, like Coinbase, if you think about Coinbase, right, it is already a very centralized entity, uh, even if it's, it's, it was meant, it started out as a decentralized exchange, uh, or I guess they, they're trying to decentralize the finance uh, for people, for average users, retail users, to be able to have access to crypto. But now it's becoming very centralized. And I think in a way, you know, having Coinbase partner partnering with BlackRock, um, it's not going to do anything um, to help with the decentralization of Coinbase for sure. At that point, I get. However, at the same time, like we're at the phase where we need institutional money to come in. We already had a little bit last year, but we need more of that in order to legitimize um, the crypto industry. And I don't think that that's necessarily going against the ethos of the decentralization principles. Yeah. Um, Like same way when we say, oh, we have nation states, you know, using crypto as as using Bitcoin as a legal tender. I don't think that that's a bad thing per se, even if some of that might be a little bit heavy handed, how uh, El Salvador tried to implement that. But I don't think that means, oh, just because a nation state is using um, BTC as the legal tender means we're sacrificing decentralization. Because at the end of the day, whatever assets that's going to be trading on on BlackRock is still going to be uh, the coins, hopefully, you know, still going to be the, the decentralized coins like Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, maybe they're adding some other coins that are less less decentralized, but the underlying assets it remains the same, right? They're not trying to, um, you know, create another coin, another CBDC to try to replace uh, ETH and, and BTC. So, right. so yeah, I can see the point, but I, I think that's an overall, that's, that's still a good thing, a net positive thing for the industry. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean... So I'm a technologist, right? And uh, you know, I I I play like a like a finance person on this on this podcast. But but really, like I'm a tech guy. I'm an architect. I don't know, man. Guy. After the the economic um uh, lecture you gave last episode, I think you've you've graduated. You've uh, elevated I don't know about that, but you know, we'll we'll go with it. Yes, yes, everyone, <laughs> listen to me. But um. As a technologist, I understand how software works. So fundamentally, people need to take a step back and realize that cryptocurrency is based on blockchain technology and distributed ledger technology, which is dun 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 software. It's software, right? What do you need for software to become really good? You need investment. You need money. Mm-hmm. So what we've seen traditionally to to this date is we've seen VC money come in, right? And VCs have invested in various um, blockchain startups 
as a mechanism to give them the R&D capital. A majority of the spend when you create software is actually in R&D. Mm-hmm. It's in staffing. It's in staffing not only developers. It's it's staffing site reliability engineers, you know, patent lawyers, all of this different stuff, right? And then um, continuous improvement in the software design lifecycle when you're right. creating these different technologies. It's not sustainable within crypto long term if the market caps don't increase, right? Like all of these little ones are going to crash out continuously. Yeah. We need more money in crypto for it to be mainstream. So you fundamentally have to ask yourself a question. Like I feel like sometimes I'm living in like, you know, like a like a crazy person land where people like are so one side or the other about a specific topic, you know, Mm -hmm. shockingly, that is how the world is today. But like, you can't have true decentralization with the state of the current technology, how it's, how it's evolved, even though it's gotten better over the years, transactions have gotten faster. You still see how far behind we are in security, usability of different blockchains. So I'm going to stop waxing lyrical on this, but I just Mm want to let people know that's how software works. It's how crypto needs to work to to be adopted long term, and to really solve the use cases that it was desi- designed to. Right? Like these aren't. This isn't magic internet money. Like a lot of these blockchains were designed for a specific reason, and they are not developed in a way that is good enough, right, to actually achieve the technological purpose that they were designed for. So. Mm-hmm. yeah that, that was really well put i mean i, I feel like it's i'm you're taking always, crazy pills man i'm taking no, crazy pills no i think you're you, you actually sound quite reasonable right like that they there are so many maximalists of everything uh in the space like you're you're a btc maxi you're a eth maxi you're solana maxi whatever mm. and whenever you become a maxi of anything you ended up losing sight of the, the story on the other side right you end up being like too narrow-minded you have your blind spots and then you just forget about things that you're supposed to pay attention to so yeah i mean I'm trying not to, I try to maintain a very careful balance between like have my own principles, my own investment principles, my core values, but also at the same time, I want to to be flexible, to to try to be open-minded to things that are developing. At the end of the day, it is still a relatively emerging technology and we can't just say, hey, everything that's not this way, everything that's not Bitcoin is a shit coin. That, that kind of, Right, toxic um, maximalism, maximalism, maximalism. It's it's not going to be healthy for the industry in the long run. Would you say it's toxic maxillinity? I like that. (laughs) I think we just coined something new today. Just thought. By the way, we're getting so good at doing this podcast uh, that you you gave me two different opportunities to segue into different pieces of news <laughs> and the listeners will never know right they'll never know so let's just jump into it um, because we started talking about it briefly but um solana solana was down it got hacked um you know everyone cries shock and awe and surprise at the fact that solana's gone down because it's gone down so many times uh its network has gone down um 
so um there's there's a so so t- tell me what you know about it and then i guess i'll fill in i'll fill in the rest sure yeah, yeah i'm not allowed to be honest i i feel like i'm kind of getting numb to everything solana <laughs> um <laughs> like there's so many bad news you know coming out of solana network for the past i don't know how long maybe six months 12 months like it was either like off i think we went offline um, multiple times over the past six months and basically this the blockchain stopped working and and Anatoly and his his all these seven validators had to like reboot their their <laughs> chain you know like a little node operator and basically it was a huge mess right like yeah i remember i, I sold my solana the first time it halted the chain halted and and then the next day it actually pumped right after i think sam i don't know it was i think it was sam who, who bought it back up and then i sold more <laughs> so i'm like this is not a legit challenger uh to these other chains right and that just fast forward to yesterday today uh, i think there was a, a hack that uh, impacted the salon the phantom wallets yes uh, i think thousands maybe tens of thousands uh users were impacted um I think it was in the region of maybe like 5 million um, yeah. funds that was lost. Casual, but, casual amount. Yeah, it's a casual amount in comparison <laughs> to what's going on in the space. But yeah, I mean, at this point, I just, if if you are still holding Solana, um, more power to you. Like it's, you're, you're a diamond-handed Solana supporter, good for you. But for me, uh, I'm out. Yeah, so they you you actually for someone who said they d- didn't know a lot about it probably described it pretty well there. So that that's essentially what happened. Mm-hmm. I think um, what was um, uh, the from a security perspective, uh, there were there was kind of an exploit on the system where um, wallet addresses that were held by Slope Finance. So if you're familiar with Slope Finance. Um, Slope Finance uh, was apparently sharing seed phrases over plain text when they were communicating to uh, uh, the Solana blockchain. Uh, if you uh, if you know anything about that uh, and you know anything about security, it's always SASL, uh, SASL, SSL, mutual authentication. It's never plain text or SASL plain text, right? Um, because things like this can happen. Um, seed phrases were needed, obviously, to um, to access. Um, so there was, you know, there's a number of phantom wallets, as you mentioned, um, that were that were impacted on the on the slope finance mm-hmm. side. Um, they're still kind of doing an RCA or root cause analysis and post mortem on it, but uh, they want to earn back your trust there at slope finance. So um, you know, I think the way you do that is obviously make your clients whole. Right, which is the yeah. same thing that we saw with with the jump hack and all the other hacks. Um, uh, but uh, there was a eight thousand unique wallets that were impacted by this, um, and uh, you know the the thing about this is it it kind of it's kind of a bit of fud, um, mm-hmm. at the same time because it goes towards Solana as a piece of crap. <laughs> the narrative that Solana is a piece of crap. Um, it, it was impacted on the, on the Solana blockchain, but there's no evidence that the Solana protocol itself is cryptographically compromised, right? It, this is, this is a, an impact 
uh, on on poor security standards from the client, which in this case would be Slope, right? Interacting with the blockchain. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I I get that. I think that that's you know when we talk about what eight thousand users, mm-hmm. um, it's not small, but also in a grand scheme of things, you know, it's also not a huge portion of the Solano ecosystem. Regardless, right? We should take user security um, very seriously. Um, but I just feel like, you know, fool me once, you know, <laughs> fool me twice, you know, in the story. I just feel like at this point, I'm I'm a little bit disillusioned with Solana being a potential ETH killer. Um, I would rather place my bets in some of the other, some of the other uh, alternative layer ones um, instead of Solana because there's so many so many examples, you know, the proof is to put in the pudding, right? If you look at the other, I know, like, remember, like, last year we were talking about Saluna Vax, which was a thing, and now yeah. we have, like, two of them are basically dead. And then Avax is, is, was the last one standing. So, and I know there's some other new chains coming up, like, you know, Cosmos and, and some other smaller chains. Um, doesn't mean that they're, they're perfect, but, you know, at this point, there has been so much scrutiny on Solana that makes it look like um, it's unlikely to to replace ETH as number one. One day on here, we're going to do a deep dive, a deep deep technical dive on ICP, and and we're going to talk uh, ICP. By the way, another one of those coins that's up uh, over eighty percent in the last thirty days, folks. Mm. Uh, yeah. Okay. Enough said about Solana. Um, the last little coda that I will say, uh, as I, as I just mentioned to the, to the listeners that I will not say anything else on them, um, is that Solana is backed by SBF, right? Sam Bankman fried. Mm-hmm. So you cannot count Solana out and say that it's dead. Um, because Alameda research, right. Which is another SBF company, uh, is heavily invested in Solana. Um, SBF is heavily invested in Solana. And since the market caps are so low, he can buy a very small, trivial amount and move the market substantially, right? So uh, I very much view it today as a pump and dump kind of coin, which may seem a little uh, harsh, I guess, on Solana, the technology. But I wouldn't say that it's completely dead yet, but I, yeah. I definitely see your point. I see your point. You know, no, I, I agree. I, I don't think it's dead either. Maybe I was a little bit too harsh on it, uh, but I do agree. It is Solana is a VC coin. It was yep. something that all this, all these VCs like MultiCoin and um, I think even 3AAC at some point was pumping really hard for Solana. Um, but yeah, I mean, SBF is going to be here. He's going to be you know backing Solana. I think there there was that famous saying of of SBF saying I'll buy all of your Solana and fucking three dollars and then just get <laughs> get the fuck off something like that. Yeah, uh, I think he's still gonna do that. Um, but I just worry that uh, the ecosystem is not the ecosystem is good, but it's not as robust as some of the others. And there's this security and there's you know operational issues. You know if you have a, if you have a blockchain that halts every every three months, uh, you have a problem, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, let's let's stop talking about that hack and move on to another hack really quickly, which is the Nomad Bridge Act attack. Um, so, uh, Yoda, 1.83 billion dollars has been stolen from bridges to date. It's like 
as soon as Vitalik wrote that white paper <laughs> on the concern that he has with bridges and the security around bridges, it's like every hacker went and read it and <laughs> took it as a personal challenge to hack every single bridge that's out there, right? So mm-hmm. there's been six major bridges that have been hit this year alone in 2022, including the Harmony attack, which lost $100 million. We talked about Axie Infinities, the Ronin sidechain that got hacked, um, that suffered like $625 million. There was the Jump uh, jump crypto attack, right? That, that we talked hole. about mm-hmm. the wormhole attack. Um, and now there is nomad, which has lost 190 million, um, in their, in their, uh, their, their, their bridge. So we don't have to go into great detail about this. I just kind of want to let people know, um, why regulation is like sorely needed, um, for a lot of this related stuff. So, the uh, the nomad the folks at nomad actually had an audit a security mm-hmm. audit that was done right and they were uh let known in that audit that they basically had a an entry point a vector an attack vector as we call it in this in like like security lingo mm-hmm. um where when a smart contract call was made if it errored out in like if there was an error some somewhere in the stack trace of of the of the like the the, the call, um, they're still getting a positive response from from client to client. So right. if you think about how like apps work, right? You have a, you have a client or you have an application that writes through something in this in this case the blockchain, and it comes out with a response on the other end, right? It's like mm-hmm. a telephone, right? Yeah. In this case, the telephone was sending garbage and on the other side, it was coming through as okay. Okay. So the Nomad team basically came out and said, okay, well, we realize that this is a finding in our audit and it's a superfluous finding because we are no longer going to be using this <laughs> uh, mechanism, right, uh, of, of, of communicating um, within the bridge. So what did a hacker do? Probably went in, looked at the finding, said, oh, they didn't actually deprecate that API. Right. Um, they just decided they're going to move away from it. So similarly to how they did with the uh, the wormhole um, hack, um, they basically sent a junk message in and was able to withdraw uh, a, a small amount initially and then mm-hmm. uh, repeatedly withdraw um, uh, you know, across, across the, uh, withdrawal across the bridge, um, without actually having to sign anything. So, yeah, you know, sounds I familiar, mean- right? It's like, all like <laughs> this, it's like Groundhog Day, you know, just waking up to another, another, you know, scam, another, um, hack every day. So, yeah, I, it's funny. Like, um, sometimes like, uh, I think we were talking about it like last week, like post pod, like some of this stuff is getting so repetitive, Right. <laughs> like we're talking about the same shit every week. And yeah, I mean, people need to understand and they need to know that like some of this stuff is so primitive. Um, if you're not custodying your own coins, right. Um, and really taking control of um, your own personal security, whether it be NFTs or it's, you know, coins he- uh, held across different exchanges, et cetera. You're you're at a great risk, right? So I think I think that's the main the main point. Yeah, and then I think sadly, like even in some cases, you do custody your own coins, 
and it's the protocol. Um, there's some protocol level uh, loopholes that hackers found. You know, so even if you are maintaining your your own private keys, if you send, if you if you interact with the protocol that's vulnerable to to attacks, you can still get screwed regardless. So it's like one way or another, you're screwed, which is really a sad reality um, in the space right now. Yeah, but then, you know, the alternative is just going to one of those centralized exchanges, right? No, you don't want to use those things, man. They might take your money away. No. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, it's, 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 uh, again, I still view this as emerging technology. Um, Everyone should view it the same way. Mm -hmm. And don't put money in the casino that you're not willing to lose, basically, I think is the main goal. Let's move on and talk about someone who's repeatedly lost money, but is one of our favorites and a personal fan of the podcast. Mr. Michael Saylor steps down as MicroStrategy CEO. Um, some people are postulating that it's due to Bitcoin losses and the fact that his bets uh, on Bitcoin are down over a billion dollars in the past uh, couple of years alone on buying Bitcoin. So what's your uh, what's your take on our crypto father, uh, Michael Saylor, stepping down <laughs> as the CEO of my yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a that's probably the saddest news of today um, for me personally as well. At least, um, mm-hmm. you know, I I mean, I, I'm not a Bitcoin maxi by any stretch of imagination, but I respect Saylor a lot. Um, I think he's one of the, the truly true staunch supporters of Bitcoin. Um, without any sort of like he's he's a pure maxi right like he, he does he's not, does not like uh, unless unlike some of the other bitcoin maxis who are who are trying to detract from from ethereum and trying to like like he doesn't care like he genuinely does not care what ethereum does and he doesn't try to um you know eliminate uh, or doesn't try to minimize the impact of ethereum but he just believes in bitcoin and he only buys bitcoin so in a way, I think he's a pure maxi, which I actually have a lot of respect for. And the fact that he's not folding, but like he stepped down as a way of acknowledging, you know, his bet didn't pay out, uh, at least in the short run, it's a, it's a bit of a downer for me. But I think the good thing about this is that, not good thing, but, you know, one thing to recognize is that I don't think Michael Saylor is going to leave Bitcoin. Like he's going to continue, like MicroStrategy, I think it's going to continue to invest um, in Bitcoin. Um, I think they they borrow a shit ton of money. Like they're, they're so high, highly levered, but all of their, most of their debt are like long-term debt. So they don't have to pay back anything immediately. Um, and they have some, some levers to pull to even borrow more. And assuming Bitcoin doesn't go down further, which I think we found about him. So... Mm-hmm. I don't think they're in any danger of liquidation or anything. Um, but still, you know, seeing Michael Saylor stepping down, um, it's it's a bit of um, bad news for the entire industry, I guess. So I have some good news for you. Okay. Let's Are you it. ready for this? So yes. Saylor's stepping down as CEO, but he is, quote, staying on as executive chairman, where in his own words, I'll be able to focus more on our Bitcoin acquisition strategy and related Bitcoin advocacy initiatives. Mm. Um, so I have one important question to ask you, which is 
what is their Bitcoin acquisition strategy? <laughs> Buy? <laughs> what? Oh. How much How much work is that going to be for him? He's like, uh, coming to the office, guys. I think I'm going to come in on Tuesday. That's uh, We'll be buying Bitcoin. Uh, I'll be in on Thursday. We'll, we'll be buying Bitcoin. Uh, right, so. right. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting. Just, 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 just market by Bitcoin every Sunday at 9 p.m. How hard is that? How hard can that be, right? Uh, when I read that, it really cracked me up, dude. I was like, yeah. what kind of strategy do they have over there? <laughs> like, what are we going to buy today or tomorrow? Right. The next day? Uh, yeah, I think yes. Um, interesting, but. Uh, you know, it's still still a little bit of somber news, uh, but I don't think that we'll see uh, Sailor going anywhere. Um, and to be quite frank, um, they've they've had a couple rough quarters. Uh, they've had uh, four straight uh, down quarters from an mm-hmm. earnings perspective as a company. Yeah. So I think uh, as a as a as a company perspective, it probably makes a lot more sense to let uh, to let Fong uh, take over as uh, as the CEO to actually run run the business and not uh, not worry about tweeting about how Bitcoin is, is great, right? That uh, yeah. Sailor can be dedicated towards that now. Um, yeah, maybe. May, just maybe um, him stepping down as CEO will give him more time to be on crypto Twitter and shitposting. So there's that benefit. That would be great. That would be great. Would be and great. we'll be here along for that. Right. Yeah. More more Sailor um, McDonald's memes, please. Yes. Yes, yes. Um. Uh, last little bit of serious news, I guess. Um, but is, I just wanted to get your take or your opinion on it. Um, California recently, um, uh, declared a state of emergency here in the U S for monkeypox. Um, so I don't know if you, you, you know, I'm sure you've heard about monkeypox. If you haven't heard about it, um, it is a kind of scary disease. I'd say it's a significant step up from the chicken pox. Um, as you'd imagine, a monkey is a much scarier uh, animal. Uh, and the the kind of the sores that you get on your body um, are, are also pretty scary. Some people are being left with, um, you know, with long-term scarring and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's running rampant in the kind of LGBTQ community currently. Um, but there is kind of talks that a state of emergency could also be declared uh, just in general for the United States around monkeypox. So last time that this shit happened was COVID, mm-hmm. right? And when, and I'm, I'm again, I'm, I'm the, I'm the tin, tinfoil hat guy over here. Of course. Yeah. So that's my role on this podcast. <laughs> so when, when state of emergency was, was declared for, for COVID, what did the, the fed do? It just started printing crap ton of money. Right. Mm-hmm. So is there a chance that monkeypox leads to some Fed deregulation or 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 un, un, unwinding of the the kind of the interest rates and the various different austerity related financial policies that they've had, and the, and we start printing money again and 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 see a nice little uh, bump in in all markets? What do you what do you think about that? I think that's an interesting thought experiment for sure. Um, <laughs> you could just say it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, I think that there's definitely there's there's one main, I guess, difference in terms of the the the, the way the disease is spread. Uh, one is airborne, the other is skin to skin. Right. My understanding. Um, yeah, I, I do see the. I think you're right that they. I think they just declared uh, national. I guess a health emergency today nationwide. So it is something that we should take 
very seriously. Um, but at the same time, there is a degree of separation in terms of how the disease can be spread. Right. Um, in one way, you know, for COVID, we'd have to stay at home for like what twelve months, eighteen months. But for for monkeypox, it's I guess it's slightly harder to spread unless you go to you know venues and meet people face to face, skin to skin, effectively. So right. yeah, I mean, I, I guess you can say that there might be impact and the feds might be doing something to to combat that. But at the same time, I feel like like they've got a bigger fish to fry, which is, you know, tempering or tamping down the inflation rate. Um, and in order, in order to do that, they cannot reverse the trend right now, right? They need to continue to suppress the demand um, by raising interest. And yeah, I don't know, maybe it's going to, I think we talked about this, this last part, you know, this might have to continue for a few months before we even start to talk about, you know, reversing the trend. So right. That's just my non epidemiologist more economist <laughs> view on this whole thing you know you don't work for the cdc okay well it was a pretty I'd good love to, not yet yeah. pretty good rationalization though you, you have me convinced okay market's still going to shit folks so <laughs> all right uh, <laughs> we tried our best here to pump it what, what do we even do right um Last piece of, uh, I guess, more, like more more upbringing news. We're trying to do this now in the podcast, uh, folks. Right? We talk about all the crappy stuff in the beginning, and then just talk about something a little bit light and airy yeah. towards the end. Yeah, um, that's the way to do it. Gucci and Tag Heuer are now accepting ApeCoin, um, which is the famous, uh, somewhat famous Yuga Labs related. Uh, token um, that's that's uh, been released, you know, so associated with the uh, the board ape yacht yeah. club. Um, what are your thoughts um, that uh, Gucci is now accepting ApeCoin? And yeah, will you buy exactly. Gucci now? <laughs> we just people just be buying Gucci can bags with their ape coins. Um, no, I think I think it's it's good. It's good for if you're a BAYC. Um, NFT holder, uh, good for you. you. You just got another utility added. Another way to, to waste point. your money. Another, another way to waste. Then that too, of course. You know, you can, <laughs> you can buy. Imagine you can buy a, um, a a Gucci handbag with your with your um, mutant ape, right? Like, it's mm -hmm. like, do you really want a, a mutant ape on the blockchain, or do you want a, a handbag that you can use in a daily life? So that's a, that's a trade off. Um, so that's nice, but uh, at the same time, I think this this is probably the trend. Like they, they need to, like we need to add more utility to all these NFTs. Um, in this case, it's not an NFT, but it's the derivatives of that and of the NFTs, um, which is also important. And um, yeah, I can see you know obviously ApeCoin or BAYC is is still the flagship um, product, if I can use that word here. Mm -hmm. uh, in the space and um you know it's going to continue to to grow um we're still in a bear market i think come the next bull markets we're going to see a lot more use cases or utility coming up specifically for for bayc for your um um uh, crypto punks and all these like you know top line nft projects um they're going to continue to thrive they're going to do well uh I mean, they're not going to go anywhere, uh, contrary to mainstream belief. You know, NFT is dead. I don't think it would never go go away. It's just that we're consolidating right now. We're flushing away 
um, thousands of NFT shit, shitty NFT projects. But come the next bull markets, there's gonna be the next, you know, I don't know, Nike or you mentioned Disney, like all these like mainstream um, brands, they're gonna make their stance in a web free world and ApeCoin or any anything BAYC related is gonna be there. I think the the real winner for this is BitPay. Um, so if you're unfamiliar with BitPay, it's an it's like a it's another type of like strike, right? Or like PayPal yep. type of type of app out there. Um, they're they're kind of facilitating this, um, I guess, settlement, mm-hmm. right? Between your between your wallet. Um, um, I think they're also engaged with like Uber Eats and DoorDash. You can now like buy for food with with uh, Dogecoin, one of my favorite personal. Uh, coins out there. Uh, but uh, another win for, um, you know, these these types of uh, fintech related use cases for for blockchain, right, where you can use and get utility out of some of these coins where previously that was kind of a pipe dream, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So pretty cool stuff there. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, and uh, for any of you folks, uh, if you really want to check it out, I'll post uh, some of the pictures of uh, some of these people on Twitter walking into a Gucci store uh, and buying a thousand dollar T-shirt uh, with 156 ApeCoin uh, for the culture. Uh, <laughs> very, very, very interesting stuff. Um, and um, that's that's the um, that wasn't actually the good piece of news. The good piece of news now is that Cardano um, is now uh, up over XRP as the seventh most valuable cryptocurrency out there. No way. So two of your favorites. <laughs> you wow. do. I just want your your last minute, you know, last last thought. I guess on Cardano, kind of stepping up and and, and um, slapping around the XRP army. My my thought on Cardano is that it's still not a blockchain. So that's it. <laughs> Listen, Charles Hoskinson, if you're listening, uh, you know, his, I'll leave his Twitter handle at the bottom, direct all the hate towards him and uh, not towards me because I'll, I'll be on vacation. I don't want to hear it. Come at me, bro, Charles. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he would love to. As long as you don't have Richard Hart coming at you, I think you, you think you'd probably be all right. That's, that's the one, that's the one guy who's got no shame. Um, so this was fun. Um, it was, uh, quick, short to the point and I'll miss it for a couple weeks. I guess for the listeners, we'll try our best to, uh, get you guys out some content. We might have uh, one of our buddies pinch hitting, or maybe we'll have, uh, some of, some of your buddies pinch hitting. Uh, we're still kind of in talks or in the works uh, on that, but, uh, I wish you all a great rest of your summer. If I don't talk to you and, and you do, I'll, I'll miss you the most. You know? I will miss you, man. Um, by the way, you have to tell our listeners where are you going. Oh yeah, I think I talked about it a couple weeks back, but I am heading tomorrow to Mallorca, in the Balearic Islands. So I'll be in Mallorca for a bit. I'll be in Ibiza for a bit, and then I'm going to Greece. Uh, a couple islands in Greece. My 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 family's home island. My wife right. really wants to see it, and uh, yeah, and then I'll be back to this freaking heat wave over here back in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, enjoy your trip to one of your um, seven private islands in Greece <laughs> and let us know how it goes, okay? Yeah, I'll send you a picture from my uh, straw hut that I have built on mm. this private island. Just just whatever you do, just don't lose your private keys on the yacht, uh, yacht party. Yeah, I'll try not to. I'm, I'm being painted as such a uh, aristocrat over here, uh, but... <laughs> 
I guess when you guys see me walking into Gucci, uh, buying a, a $500 pair of sandals with some ape coin, uh, you'll know that, that you was right the whole time. So <laughs> I think with that, we'll wrap up for this week. Uh, as always stay safe out there, space cowboys. See you next time. What is on the street you found someone I guess now it goes to tone